0: Good morning everybody, good morning. and uh, my name is, uh, is Glenn, I'm one of the pastors here at Willow Park Church, and a special welcome at Lake Country as well, if you're watching it on on video and uh, on the web, camera's like waving as well, thank you, uh, it's good to be here, it's good to talk and preach and speak with you in the house of God. I love church, and uh, it's, it's a privilege, and um, one of the things that I really didn't enjoy about school. There was lots of things uh, that I didn't enjoy, but one of the things I really didn't enjoy was cross-country. Cross-country running to me was, was just, I loathed it. The good thing was is that my school was very close uh, to the coast in, in North Wales. Now, I need to just describe to you very briefly, please don't think Mexico or, or uh, the Seychelles or Fiji, the, 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 the coastline of North Wales, for any of you who have had the misfortune of, of visiting, certainly when I was a kid, it's much better now, was, uh, was pretty bleak, it was pretty, it was pretty horrible. And our PE teacher decided it would be great to make sure that the cross-country course ran along the front promenade, and the wind that would blow through and down the coast was horrendous. We hated cross-country, and uh, it would have been much better, I think, if the PE teacher had actually done it with us. He never did. He sat in his car drinking coffee or tea, more likely, and no kidding, donuts. That, and, and he would just position himself, he would drive around at different stages, and we'd have to run past him. And so my friends and I decided that we would roughly time how long this cross-country run would take, and then one particular time, I was about 15 years old, we decided instead of doing the run, we'd be very clever and time our session to make sure we arrived back at the school at roughly the right time, and we just went and played on the beach, and as boys being boys, the play developed into not just throwing rocks into the water. Eventually, one of the group got thrown into the water, as, as it happens on a cross-country run. So then we, we thought, okay, well, we better get back. Who's got the watch? Nobody had a watch with them. We had no idea how long we'd been on the beach. And so we panicked, started running back to the school, which wasn't that far. My friend squelching as he went leaving footprints on the sidewalk as he was running and my teacher was there with a stopwatch at the front gates and we put on the, so we come in like really tired, cross-country run, this was hard work, but we weren't really, because we'd only run a few hundred yards and we got in. What we didn't realize is that we were first back. We got placed in the cross-country team, no word of a lie. And we had to go and do a cross-country run against one of the really posh private schools that just seemed to do that stuff a lot. And it was horrendous. The consequences were just awful. Completely missed the point of what this cross-country run was about. And we bore the consequences. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a scripture in the Bible in Luke chapter 12, and we don't need to turn to it there just now, that is a, is a scripture of consequence. Because there's this rich man who has many crops. And he says he builds bigger uh, barns to store these crops. And it says he eats, drinks, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That kind of mentality. And God says at the end, Jesus is telling this story. He said, God said to him, you fool. Tonight your soul will be required of you. That word fool is a really interesting word in the Greek. It can be interpreted as you missed it. You missed it. It's like God's saying that this this life has been designed with him in mind and we fill our lives so often with things that just don't belong and distract and and we miss it. And what a tragedy that would be if we got to the end of our lives only to find that even though we had done fun things and and, and had great family and been generous and, and done all these wonderful things that life has to offer only to be told by God, you missed it. You missed the whole point. We're surrounded by a culture that has many distractions. We go from one thing to another. We go from job to job in the hope that we will find the real purpose, that satisfaction, that feeling of enough. We go from relationship to relationship, from game to game, distraction to distraction, home to home, couch to couch, car to car, all in the hope that, that that need that we have to feel fulfilled, that need that it's enough, would somehow be satisfied with the things that surround us, those created things. And I think we're in danger that if we make that our focus that we'll get to the end of our lives and God will say, you missed it, you fool. In 3 John, there's a verse that really captivated me this week and, and Phil last week talked and we started us off in 3 John. I couldn't get past this one verse. So we're going to camp out Uh, today, And and if you have your Bible, please turn to 3 John or your mobile device, and we've got it on the screens as well. It's a very simple verse, and it, it really caught me. And it says this, For they have gone out for the sake of the name. For they, this group of people that John is referring to that have been supported by the church that John is writing to, they went out for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the name. And as Phil said last week, Jesus, the name Jesus is not mentioned at all in 3 John, but it is suggested through its language. And the name, this group of people went out for the name. They had a singular purpose. You have to do theological gymnastics with the Bible to make it say what it doesn't say. The Bible's very clear. The reason we have been created, it says in Isaiah 43 that we've been created for the glory of God, for the sake of the name. And until we align our lives with that vision and that goal and that purpose, like this group, we will never have that feeling of satisfaction and enough. We'll just go around and around in circles. We'll miss it. I find it interesting that this group of people served a name. one of the questions I want to, to leave you with this morning is: Is what name are you serving? For the sake of what name? Are you living? For the sake of what name are you sacrificing and going out and and working and and doing all those things that God has put in our path every day? For the sake of what name? Because we all serve a name. I must admit, when I've never been really proud of my name, Glenn. I have said this before from the pulpit a couple of times, and I just feel it's like part of my ongoing confession that I need to say it again. I was named after the rhinestone cowboy, how many of you know who I'm talking about? Yes. Glen Campbell. My mum and dad were passionate. Glen Campbell, listeners, too. The Rhinestow Cowboy. And I've, ever since then, I've had a loathing hatred for, for um, country and western. Glen Campbell. I look at other people's names. They're powerful, strong. They mean something. Like, like Gideon in the Bible. Man of valor. Mighty man of valor. Gideon. Glen. Just just hasn't been there for me. Names are important. They're significant. They they mean something. They represent something. You know, I could say Apple. I could say uh, Ferrari. I could say Nike. And all these create images. And, And they're influential images. They actually cause us to actually take action that if something, a product, is a good make, we automatically believe that good make means good quality, and we want to lean towards that good name because we are influenced by names. What name are you influenced by? What power is there in your life that you are driven by? We attach great value onto things and onto names and what they represent, believing that in that name there is an answer. Maybe the name for you is... Finding that girl or that guy, that husband and that wife. If if I can just get that relationship, then it will be enough. I'll be satisfied for the sake of that name. Maybe it's a possession you have. Maybe it's that new car. We're interesting as human beings. It's the pursuit that brings the satisfaction, not the actual getting. Because as soon as we got it, it's like, oh, now I want another one. Bigger, better, faster, shinier. Maybe then I'll feel satisfied. And that works for things like cars and houses and couches and clothes. But it also seeps into our relationships. Maybe if I can just find a different husband, if I can find a different wife, then my my life will be enough. And it's empty. It's a name that we're serving that ultimately will not give us that satisfaction that we're created to serve. Maybe the name is recognition. Maybe the name is approval. Maybe the name is success, and you are willing to sacrifice and do whatever it takes in order to get that name for the sake of that name. Maybe it's fitness. Maybe it's looks. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's just that you want people to like you. And you will sacrifice for that name. What name? Are you living for? We're just convinced that just a little bit more will do it. What is it that drives this desire for more? Because it's in each one of us. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says that we have eternity in our hearts. It's like this commonality across the human race that we all have this sense of the spiritual. We're all looking for an answer. We just sung it, looking for different answers in different places. We're all looking for that answer, that name, that significance. And the Bible's really clear. It says that it's because we have eternity in our hearts. This desire for something more is a God-given gift, misaligned in our culture towards possessions and stuff and relationships and other things that we see as the answer. But ultimately, the only satisfaction we will get is in God. That's what the Bible says. That's what we believe as Christians. And maybe you're here this morning and you're still exploring what Christianity is about and what church is about and what this person Jesus is about. And we we love that you're here and we, we welcome you and we're glad that you are here. But you know as well as I do that there's this sense inside of you for more. I don't need the Bible to prove to you that that's there. Simple things like why is it that an evolution-believing atheist, somebody who at their very core believes that the weak will die off, the essence of evolution, the strong will outweigh the weak, and the weak will die off, why is it that these our friends who believe that are still desperate to find a cure for cancer? Isn't that isn't that just nature? Isn't that just evolution? No, we know, somehow we innately know that it's wrong. And we, and we innately know that it's not just, it's not right. But if we truly believed in atheism and evolution, wouldn't we just be satisfied with the weak dying off? No, we're not. Because it's eternity in our hearts, there's, there's something more. Why would somebody who has those belief sets want to see justice in the world? Why would they want to see justice? like we've just heard from India, you know, these beautiful children that we as a church support. Why do we care so much? Where does that come from? We're told that it's just a mixture of chemical reactions, somehow making the race stronger. And yet, each one of us knows that we're so much more than a bunch of chemical reactions. It's eternity in our hearts. Why do we care so much? Even if you don't believe in Jesus, why care so much? What is that? It's eternity. It's eternity. It's spirit. It's the fingerprint of God. It's the Imago day created in the image of God from the beginning. It's right there, and it echoes through our life. It reverberates through our decisions. It's a beautiful thing. And we try and fill it with other things and, and, and things that just aren't designed to bring satisfaction. We've never lived in a society that has got so many toys and distractions whether it be Facebook or, you know, or Facebook for the adults, LinkedIn, or whatever it might be. We have all these distractions. By the way, have you ever thought how weird Facebook actually is? Can you imagine 25 years ago, coming going around somebody's house for dinner or a cup of coffee and some dessert, and they go, oh, come and come have a look at this, and they open the door, and inside and all over the walls are just pictures of themselves, and then on the other wall, pictures of what they've just eaten, and then on the other wall, pictures of their pets. And then on the other wall, pictures of their feet or self. Like, we would think that was really weird, 25. You'd end up getting help, wouldn't you? Now it's called Facebook. It's perfectly normal. Just to splatter pictures of yourself all over the Internet. But for a society that has got so many toys, so many distractions, has there ever been a culture that is more bored? Going from one thing to another? It's eternity in our hearts. We're looking for something. And these men and and women in 3 John had found it. They'd they'd found the name. They'd found the satisfaction. They took action. They went out for the sake of the name. This beautiful name. The name that Paul said. He was willing to give up Paul. The Apostle Paul in the Bible was this genius, uh, uh, just hyper-intelligent uh, theologian. He was at the top of his game. He was respected. He was a leader. And he said in Philippians, "I would that is all garbage. It's rubbish. He used pretty harsh language. That's rubbish in comparison to the name Jesus. He says, it's only when I found Jesus that everything seemed to come together. Where I found the forgiveness and the healing and the freedom. And his name is Jesus in Colossians 1 verse 16? Jesus is described, it's a beautiful scripture. It says, He, this is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? Read the Gospels, it's Jesus. You want to know how he reacts? It's Jesus. You want to know how he talks? It's Jesus. You know how he wants to respond? It's Jesus. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Look, all things were created through him and for him. That's the key. You want deep, true satisfaction, freedom, forgiveness? It's through him and for him. And we will try and fill that void with other things, and we will always fall short. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus said about himself in John, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In that one sentence, it encapsulates everything we need to know for fulfillment and forgiveness and freedom. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and his name is Jesus. His divinity, His mystery, His power, the sweetness of His life, the depth of His words, the, 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 the size of His sacrifice. His name is Jesus, the gentleness of His heart. The way He would happily have kids clamber over Him and play with children. The gentleness and the compassion that He had. When he was tired, he would lift up his eyes, and it says in John 6, and he would see the crowds and be filled with compassion. His name is Jesus. People have lived for him. They have been tortured for him. They have been sacrificed for him. They would willingly give their lives for him, for the the, the glory of his position, the fact that he sat on the right hand of God right now, or the right hand of the Father right now, praying for you praying for me. His name is Jesus. Everything we need for peace, everything we need for freedom, everything we need for forgiveness, everything we need for holiness and purpose, this name, Jesus, stands alone. It's the name that all other names will bow to. It's the name above all names. And until you find this name, you will always be searching for something else. These people in 3 John had found the answer. Paul had found the answer. Thousands, millions since have found the answer, and his name is Jesus. When all else fails you or leaves you or rejects you, speaks badly of you, Jesus stands strong. That internal sense that you are not alone. Because when you believe in him, and it all culminates on the image of the cross... That ultimate sacrifice it says in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. Do you know what the joy was? You and me. Amen. The joy he was willing to sacrifice for was to see you and me separated from God, being brought close to him through the cross. The word atonement, at one being brought together, at one with God. That we could have relationship and connection, we could have access, we could be adopted into the family, and oh, what a family. His name is Jesus. It brings freedom. Because something strange happens when we chase after things that are outside of Jesus. We hold on so tight that you know those things that we believe have the answer, when they shake or when something goes wrong or those are taken away or they don't fulfill the promise that you thought that they would have maybe that job doesn't work out in the way you thought it would or that business fails or that family member lets you down those things that you are anchoring into being the answer when those fail when those shake you shake you fail jesus never shakes He is unchanging. He's the Alpha and the Omega. It's that internal. No matter what happens, He is strong in you if you're a Christian. That is good news, friends. You have this new life. So, what does this name cause us to do? In 3 John, this group of people went, they took action. This is not a name that if you are willing to do for the sake of the name, you cannot sit there and just wait for death and eternity. You have to do. It causes action. It creates this sense where you want other people to know the good news of the name. You want other people to experience what you've experienced. You want other people to get this freedom. You cannot be inactive. You can't add God to your life. You know that? Just this country and Western thing. I'm I'm a bit fixated this morning, but do you know that dreadful song, uh, Jesus Take the Wheel? Jesus Take the Wheel! That one came back to you when I sang it, didn't it? Like we have this idea that we've got the wheel. And that okay, Jesus, you can have the wheel. Friends, you haven't got the wheel. You never had the wheel. You're not even in the front seat. You're barely in the trunk. (laughs) Jesus has the wheel always of your life. You don't get to add God to your life. God is life. And as Christians, when we become, when we become Christians, when we surrender our life to Jesus, then our lives are formed around his character and his personality and his heart and his desire. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, his heartbeat. That those things he wants, you want, that's not an addition that you slot in between you know U 12 soccer select and basketball. That's life. They went out. They were gone. For the sake of the name. Making much of him in the day to day. You want others to know. I wonder what that would look like for us as individuals, as in the church. If tomorrow morning we just all made a very simple decision here this morning. That we were going to do what we do for the sake of his name. That we were going to make much of Jesus. We would need to make room in our lives, but ultimately in our church for the result of that. And I said to the, the, ch- the congregation last night, I wonder what it would look like if each one of us, just this group, and I don't know how many people are in this church this morning, but if we just made a decision to, in, in the worship time, or when Phil leads us in ministry later, that we actually surrender ourselves to him and say, okay, God, I am sorry for making other things the object of my affection. That you, Jesus, are the object of my affection. You are the name that I want to give my life to. And as we surrender that and we ask for forgiveness, and then we ask for boldness, that tomorrow morning we could go and actually live that out. So I have a challenge for you. It's possibly the simplest and yet most scary challenge I can give for you. And I'm I'm intrigued to see, I I will actually never find out, Actually, I think I could find out. I've really got you hanging now. I'm just thinking as I'm, as I'm going. What it would look like if every one of us decided that this week, just once, we would get up from wherever we're sat. We'd walk across the room. We'd walk across the coffee shop. We'd walk across the bus. We'd go across the... Wherever you might be, across the road, to somebody who you don't know and say, I know this is strange. Can I pray for you? Or, I know this might seem weird, but, and then you strike up a conversation with them about Jesus. Now you go, oh, well, that's just, no, you can't. That's what For the Sake of the Name is about. It's actually walking across the room and living out that which we sing about and say that we believe. That if each one of us just made a decision this week to pray for somebody that we don't know, I'm really excited about what the result of that could be in church next week. That Phil and I, our emails would just just be inundated with, with emails of stories and testimonies of things that might happen. It might be that you'll get ridiculed and rejected. And you can walk away with a smile on your face knowing that Jesus was ridiculed and rejected. And you did that for the sake of his name. He endured the shame of the cross and empowered us. So that we could do the simple things for the sake of his name. That you maybe put that lens on when you spend your money. When you listen to the testimony of of India and those beautiful children. For the sake of his name. That you go to work tomorrow. Or you go and the activity that you're planning. Wherever it might be that you do what you were planning to do. For the sake of his name. It puts a completely different trajectory on your life. And I have a sense, friends, that if we did that, that we wouldn't get to the end of our lives and God tell us, you missed it. I think, when I read the Bible, if we lived our lives in simple ways like that, truly believing in the power of the cross, that we'd get to the end of our lives and God would say, well done, good and faithful servant. They went out together for they They went out together as a community. There is enough God in each one of us in this room to completely change our city. And it starts with the simplest of decisions. First of all, surrendering your life to Jesus if you don't know him because you will never get that satisfaction you're looking for. As you two sang, you still haven't found what you're looking for. And you won't. So to surrender your life to Jesus and then say to Jesus as a Christian, for the sake of your name, I'm going to walk across the room. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe that I'm a new creation. What name have you given yourself to? Is his name Jesus? Have you given yourself to the name above all names? Because today I'm pleading with you, do not leave this room until you have got that right, until you have surrendered, submitted to the name above all names and prayed the simple prayer of forgiveness. God, I need you. And Christians, I say this lovingly and kindly, can we stop making excuses? Can we actually do what the Bible's asked us to do, which is go and be agents of reconciliation to represent him and I know it's scary, and I know it has all sorts of implications, but I have a sense that whatever life God chooses to give us, if we did it, what an adventure it would be. And oh, the stories and the worship and the praise. When you come back into the room having had a week of failing and, and or maybe talking to people about like Jesus, you will be ready for church. Let's do that. Let's pray for that. Let's believe that that's God's will for this church. Amen? I'm going to pray and hand over to Phil and the team. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just close our eyes and just enjoy the presence of God in this room. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that God, that everybody in this place today Lord, would have a fresh revelation of the beauty of your name. The name above all names. That, Lord, that we afresh would be captivated by the sacrifice and the love and the passion you showed towards us. And, Lord, just like those disciples in Acts, Lord, we pray for boldness to live that name out for the sake of your name, Jesus. Will apart church for the sake of your name, My life for the sake of your name, my family, my job, my money, my decisions, for the sake of your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.